and so we pray. Father, we, as we look at what it means that you are our Father, we pray that you would come and speak to us through your word. And Lord, help it not just to be word, but experience in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've got to um, uh, believing in the existence of God. Can I just, oh, sorry, I'm not very happy with this. It's, not, um, it's now making a funny noise. Right. Well, this is an enormous and deep topic. And um, if Jesus mentions the word Father at least 165 times, and it occurs on, uh, in, well, more like thousands in the Old Testament, you can see that I can only give a small part of what it means to say, I believe in God the Father. In the Old Testament, the names of God stand for something. So, what is this God? Who is this God? What's he like? Someone said we may not know God in the depths of his absolute being, but we can at least know him insofar as he reveals himself in relation to us. So, what's his, what he's like, his attributes, is what we're looking at over the next few weeks, and we'll think more um, as we move on about um, the authority and the power and the sovereignty and the sustaining power of God. The names of God stand for quite a lot in the Old Testament um, and they mean God himself and we, we know that God knows us through and through and he communicates with us in ways that we can understand. In the Old Testament, we have these names for God, Elohim, Adonai, El Shaddai. They mean Lord, Ruler, Powerful God, and Yahweh, which means I am who I am. But also we have Father in relation to the people through whom God chose to demonstrate who he was, the people of Israel. Now, if we were talking about someone, we might say that um, he did something really kind last week. Or we might say that that person is a kind person. Or we might say someone is a very kind person. And if we were really going for it, we would say that that person is kindness personified. That is, no one else represents to us what we think of <coughs> as kindness. Um, they won't do it any more than that. Well, with God, who he is, what he says, what he does, are one. He is life, light, wisdom, kindness, righteousness, justice. So what attributes does God reveal that we can know and understand that means that we can know him and call him Father? In the Old Testament, we have lots of overlapping concepts of creator and father, of humankind. There's emphasis on the authority of the Creator. The relationship of the Creator with the created is also there from the beginning, before the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And it's there with subsequent individuals. They talk in the Old Testament, and Jesus talks about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and 
Jacob. And we see the Creator with the sort of parental traits that we might see in someone. We want the, our creation to do well. We want um, our children to do the right thing. And we're grieved when they don't. And of course we know that however messed up and marred we are, we are still the pinnacle of creation in that we are made in God's image. Unfortunately, being the pinnacle of God's creation meant it came with responsibilities for obedience and care of the created world. Well, we know we've blown that um, already. And let's face it, there's some pretty dodgy human parenting in the Old Testament, as well as some very moving parenting, and people who aren't parents acting as parents uh, to other people's children. We have favouritism. That occurs quite a bit in the early days in the Old Testament. Jacob and Rachel spring to mind. We have adultery parents. We have turning a blind eye parenting, which means that people, uh, the children get away with things. But we also have David weeping over the death of a rebellious son. And we have David looking after the descendants of his, the person who was out to kill him, King Saul. And David looks after his disabled uh, descendants. But although it's not spelt out in the Old Testament as often that God is our Father, it's running through a whole lot of incidents and in God's relationship with the people of Israel. When Moses is coming to the end of his days and he, he recites a song uh, which details not only uh, God's care as a father for his children, but also Moses' fears, uh, quite well founded as it turns out, that the children will rebel, will get complacent and reject their creator. And he says this, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O oh, praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong. Upright and just is he. They are corrupt and not his children. To their shame there are warped and crooked generation. Is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father? Is he not your creator who made you and formed you? And then he goes on to talk about how God has been with the people of Israel. He has shielded them and cared for them. He's guarded them as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, he spreads his wings to catch them. The Lord alone leads them. So there's that creator, yes, and there's that parental care for the people of Israel. God acts as a father or as a uh, father creature to his people. Now, Moses had already set before the people of Israel a choice which on the surface 
seems like a no-brainer. He, he offers life, prosperity, blessings if they choose to follow God, or death, destruction and curses if they don't. But then as now, there's the same route to the blessing and presence of God in our lives. Obedience, love, steadfastness towards God and his law. And they didn't slip into love of God and obedience any more easily than we do. They had the prophets encouraging them to turn back to God when they turned away from his fatherly care. And we have the provision of the cross. We have Jesus on the cross fulfilling on our behalf what the law and relationship with the Creator Father God commanded. Jesus does it for us so that we also can be God's children adopted into his family. What we couldn't do as God's wayward created beings Jesus did on our behalf so that we can be in his family. We can call him Father, Abba. And it's deeper than just being a created being in relation to God, as we hear in the carol service every year. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So God our Father has revealed himself in the written word, the Bible, which we hear read, and I hope you enjoy reading yourselves and are getting to grips with at home. And we have the word made flesh, Jesus. And as Jesus tells Thomas, if you really know me, you will know the Father as well. And then Philip, you, don't you know me, Philip, after all the time we've been, I've been among you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And later on he tells his disciples the good news that the Spirit will be sent by him and the Father and will testify to them and the Father and Jesus will make their home in the believers, in you and me. The Father comes to dwell in us. And uh, although it's... Uh, one of the Alpha sessions on the work of the Holy Spirit, there's a very clear description and also a very deeply personal story of discovering that life-changing adoption into God's family and knowing God as Father. Well, how do we see the father-child uh, relationship in action? I rather like the story of a chap who owned quite a few supermarkets and he wasn't the sort of chap who just sat in the office and directed operations. He liked to uh, visit uh, a few of them, uh, some each week. And one day he took his five-year-old son with him and the son was taking it all in, seeing how his father related to the people in the supermarkets and how they, they, in turn, related to his father. And after visiting four or five of them, he was quite thoughtful and he said to his father, Daddy, do all these people know that you can talk like Donald Duck? 
That's the sort of intimate relationship that God wants to have with us. We see it in action with Jesus, how he talks about the Father, the parables he tells, the way he talks to his Father. I said earlier that Jesus calls God Father over 165 times, but I had to take someone's word for that. And you'll have to take mine because I haven't been through and counted. Jesus knows the perfect relationship with the Father. So he recognises the false and he doesn't mince his words when he calls out those who claim to be in a special relationship with God but are living a lie, even saying to those who prided themselves on being Abraham's children and therefore in a special relationship with their creator father. Jesus says, if God was your father, you would love me for I come from God. He sent me. You belong to your father the devil and you want to carry out your father's desires. So there is a difference between presuming on knowing the Father and actually knowing them. Jesus tells parables about fathers, two sons, and he asks them to do a job. One says, yes, okay, Father, but he doesn't do it. The other says, oh no, don't fancy doing that. But later on he changed his mind because of his relationship with the Father. And another that's very well known to us, the father with two sons, the prodigal who goes off, spends all his inheritance, goes off with prostitutes, drinks wine, and then runs out of money. And running out of money, he runs out of friends. Jesus talks a lot about the father's relationship with him. And the father confirms who Jesus is and his relationship with the son. At his baptism, this is my son. At the transfiguration, when Jesus is suddenly, overwhelmingly right, and they, those who are with him are absolutely gobsmacked because they suddenly realise that this Jesus whom they're with is God, is man. He is showing his heavenly glory. And then, of course, supremely in the resurrection from the dead that the Father brings about. He gets up early to communicate with the Father. And his relationship with the Father is reflected in some of the miracles that he does. He seems to have a soft spot for those parents or parental figures who come to him for help. Jairus and his ill daughter the Syrophoenician woman's daughter, the man whose son the disciples can't heal, the widow whose only son had died. When we read about the prodigal, he returns. But while he was away, he was still his father's son, even when he was eating the unclean pig swill. Once we have committed ourselves to Jesus and are in his family, we're in his heart, 
We have our Father in heaven. We are God's children, as much as Peter or Paul or Barnabas. Not one of them always got things right, but they knew that they were loved by the Father. And even when we go astray and need to come back to God, we know that the Father loves us. The Father places full trust in the Son. Jesus is the obedient Son, even when he knows the cost and would rather not have to pay it, as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the worst moment for the God-man Jesus is when bearing the weight of the sin of the world, he is temporarily cut off from the Father. But he was so deeply assured of his place in the Father's affections that, as John puts it, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the table and then he continued to wash his disciples' feet. He is so assured of who he is in the Father's sight. Well, what about human fathers? I mentioned already there's some pretty dodgy ones in the Bible. Uh, there were three boys playing in the playground and of course they liked a bit of one-upmanship. And one said, my daddy is a teacher and he makes me clever for nothing. And the second one said, well, my daddy is a doctor and he makes me healthy for nothing. So what, said the third, my daddy is a vicar and he makes me good for nothing. <laughs> well, fathers, the good, the bad, the different. If we've had or continue to have a good relationship with our fathers, we can work upwards to the fatherhood of God as revealed to us in the scriptures. But we all know that not everyone has even some sort of relationship with their earthly father. Not everyone has a good relationship with their earthly father. And no one has a perfect relationship with a perfect earthly father. Everyone, all of us, we all have a lot to learn about our heavenly fathers. So some people will have to work downwards from God's fatherhood to even understand what earthly fatherhood is or should be or could be, or even to help them become an earthly father because they've grown up with difficult or no or too short or too distant a father-child relationship. And we all have to remember that we and our fathers have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not perfect, and they aren't or weren't perfect either. Some people need prayer and counselling to be in a place to begin to appreciate and understand the whole idea of God as Father. We'll know when we're getting somewhere when our thoughts, our words, our actions, our prayers display something of our relationship to our Heavenly Father 
and we start to experience that peace, that reassurance, that security in knowing that we are his children so that we can say and know deep within, I am his child. As Paul puts it in Romans chapter 8, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is an important part of being a Christian. There have been hymns and songs written down the centuries expressing this. We sang uh, a verse in the hymn at the earlier service about Father like he tends and spares us well our feeble frame he knows. In the last 50 years we've had Father of the Fatherless by Graham Kendrick, the Father's song of God singing over us in his delight in us. And we've, more in the uh, last few years, I Run to the Father by Cody Cairns, which has these words, I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again. You saw my condition, had a plan from the start, your son for redemption, the price for my heart. And I don't have a context for that kind of love. I don't understand, I don't comprehend. All I know is I need you. I run to the Father. If this is an area you have struggled with, the clergy can pray and talk with you. And as I close, we'll pray that we might come to an even greater understanding of what it means to know God as our, our Father, both here on earth and with him in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we're sorry when we're your wayward children, but we thank you that we can run to you that your arms are always open wide to welcome us back. Please take our lives and Lord, would you be our Father. Amen.